tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the quad today is Azure Mahara. Hello. Jacqueline Peterson. Hi. And Carly Ruba. Hello. Ladies, we have quite the range of topics to talk about, and I think we can offer some valuable insights to our listeners today. Let's jump right in and start with Carly's topic. Thank you, Lynn. So I wanted to start off by talking about handling a heavy workload, and this kind of came up when Jacqueline and I were talking about never never feeling like you can get ahead with your workload, and is it even good or possible to get ahead because what's left then? For me, I know if I don't have anything to do, I'm anxious. I'd rather feel like I have too much to do. So I'm just curious what you guys think about heavy workloads. <laughs> I, um, you know, the, this is an interesting um, topic, and I just want to add for you, Carly, personally, um, you're relatively new to the local job network, and um, in short order, you will not feel like if I get all my stuff done, what will I have left to do? Right. So I always that is <laughs> true. <laughs> it may be a concern today. <laughs> it will be short lived. I, I still remember the days when I was ahead. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Uh, the way I like to manage a heavy workload, and it can be overwhelming and challenging, but I like to keep my own personal lists, and I get satisfaction by knocking off, by knocking off items. Um, I know uh, sometimes I don't even have time to write my list, so sometimes they're like in my head. But I do find a lot of satisfaction from organizing my work and then just picking them off. And then at the end of the day, at least I have that sense of accomplishment because I can see all the all the items that I've knocked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find out, I, I sort of think of work like when, back in college, you know, it's like, should you be studying? Well, I could always be studying. Oh, yeah, It's like work. There's always something that can be done. And one thing that I just recently did in my inbox uh, for Outlook is I created new folders because um, the folders I was using previously just weren't adequate. So I created new folder. So when I need to connect with Carly, I put all those emails in there. So rather than going through my main inbox and trying to find them, I have a folder for you, Azure. I have a folder for you, Lynn. Oh, thank you. So that I can sort of stay <laughs> <I'm> organized. folder worthy. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can uh, help myself stay organized because my uh, role has sort of transitioned these last few months and um, my folders just had to go. I had to get new ones. So that has been helpful for me. One thing that I do is I will actually schedule time in my Outlook calendar. So I'll say, okay, I'm going to do this for an hour today. I'm going to do this for a half hour today. And at least then I'm getting a chunk of, of it done because otherwise I get wrapped into a project. And I'm sure you guys can can feel the same way about this. But um, you get wrapped into a project and before you know it, you're like, whoa, I worked on that for like two or three hours. <laughs> Where if it's in your, your Outlook calendar, you can kind of see that and gives you you know, it gives you some time frame to, okay, I've, I've got a half hour to get this done. You know, I'm going to get what I can, everything I can get done in that time, but then I have to move on to this next project. So that helps me too. So would you guys say it's a healthy feeling to feel like you've always got something to do? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I would like to comment on because I think you had brought up the idea and um, if you get ahead, what's left? 
I can remember actually two times in the last probably 15 years where I got ahead or I got caught up. So I had to go into my boss's office and actually say, I'm looking for something else to do. And that's a good thing. I mean, it gives opportunities, and you should go. I mean, you really should go to your manager if you have bandwidth to take on new things. But we, me and my um, coworkers would always joke. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to go in and tell them I have I can take on something else because, you know, then it's like, oh, you've got some bandwidth? Here you go. Here's a pile of work. But I have to say, when I did go and ask for that additional uh, work, it opened up new opportunities for me. And at first it was kind of daunting. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that. Or, But it is a good thing, and management looks kindly on people who do say, I can take on some more. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's like, it, it. you go through college, and you could always be doing more. You could always be studying. And then you get a, a career, and it's the same thing. It's the same sort of scenario. So I don't know that being ahead is ever going to really be a realistic right. situation. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it may be a couple hours worth. <laughs> but speaking of work... <laughs> Yes. I wanted to sort of switch gears and talk a little bit about um, the chain of command in the workplace. I have always worked at an organization that had a chain of command. In college, I was a lifeguard for like six years, and we always had a chain of command. You know, you were the, the top lifeguard, and then you had all the, you know, there was just a rotation. So having a chain of command was n- not really a surprise to me um, when I graduated from college and then we went, I, I got a real job and whatnot. So I was just sort of curious what your thoughts were on what's the definition of a chain of command and what's its purpose in the workplace. I recent I came from a job before this where the chain of command was lacking. I worked independently pretty much the whole time. And I didn't have to report to anybody. I checked in with my boss maybe once a month, a couple times a month. He just, he preferred it that way. And so coming here, I am very grateful for the structure and the chain of command. And to me, it's just having, you know, one person you report to, knowing that they report to somebody else and that there's feedback on all levels. Um, So for me, structure is helpful and it helps me thrive, and I prefer it. <laughs> I actually, um, prior to coming here, I came from a large organization where uh, chain of command was like, it was so, so very structured. And we really had to be careful. Well, number one, we always had to make sure our manager was aware of anything, because if something I was working on was questioned by um, my my manager's level or above, they were going to go and talk to their peer group. And if, you know, if my chain of command was not aware of what I was doing, you know, then that kind of, you know, kind of backfired on me. Now, I grew up there, so, you know, I got very used to the chain of command, um, as just, you know, part of learning the job. But it was very important that I keep my manager involved, 
my manager kept their their manager involved, and it was a large company. So, I mean, there were, like, levels galore. Um, and but, how did you keep them involved? I'm just curious. Is it, like, CCing them on an email or? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, the use of CCs on emails. Um but sometimes I could only communicate to my manager, and then it was my manager who, in turn, would communicate to her chain of command. So it's like I couldn't, you know, I had to watch what the norms of that company were. I couldn't, like, send the department head a message <laughs> if, I, if I so thought my project was so important that he should know about it. When you had talked about earlier um, organization and lists and and things like that, and to me this is – it's the same thing. Uh, Having a chain of command is a way for the company to be organized. So even if you think like, oh, I should just go to not my direct report but above that person's head, first of all, you're stepping on toes. And secondly, one of the main things that I see as a great purpose is organization. It helps – keep things in line. It helps make sure that, all right, there's checkpoints with each manager and, you know, it, it just, it helps the workflow. So to me that, I mean, I see that a lot as a a great resource. I'm so glad that both Azure and Lynn touched on the chain of command as far as helping the workflow and then obviously keeping everyone in the loop. And I think those are two key important Um, factors of the purpose of a chain of command. It's obviously you have these levels of hierarchy in which for our listeners out there who don't know what a chain of command is, you have these levels of hierarchy within an organization to help with workflow and keeping everyone in communications. Um, So rather than having people going all over the place, did you talk to this person? There's always going to be a fundamental, did you talk to your manager? What did your manager say? Did you work with this on your manager? And then that person, and, and it helps keep everything so crisp and clean and everyone knows where to go. There's no um, blurred lines. I talk to my manager. I know the process. I send an email. I CC this person. And it's just so much easier than not, to Carly's point, having one. I mean, how right. can you be as productive I mean, isn't that sort of what you were getting at, Carly? Right. Yeah, I felt like I I was always reaching out to look for feedback because it wasn't readily being offered and I wasn't required to keep my manager informed in that case. So I felt like I was always kind of reaching out for that and just not getting it. So Yeah. And it's also nice, too, because when you have uh, a newer team, which is something that I have that doesn't know our background the background of our organization as well, I can help mentor them and say, okay, this is a great project that you're working on, but have you thought of this before you send that off to whoever it is that it's due to? So I sort of help them along the process. And I think that it helps them because I'm sort of mentoring them. I'm saying, okay, this is good. You're working with marketing on something, but this is sort of how we do it. So behind the scenes, me and this person are working together, but then that person who gets to present it like it's their own work. And that makes me happy because I'm like, okay, this person's getting it. And we might be collaborating in the background, but at least they're putting out a great product. So, you know, you, I think you bring up a good point, Jacqueline, for our listeners. It's like, especially if you're um, working at a different organization than maybe what you're familiar with. It's ask your manager about chain of command. What's the appropriate way of working with all levels of mm-hmm. management within an organization? Because I know where I came from, and it was so structured. 
you know, when people would come who, you know, and like I had referred to, I kind of grew up there, so it was kind of ingrained in me. Well, for people who didn't grow up there, I mean, they came in and, you know, they were like, they had backgrounds, you know, similar to Carly, you know, where they didn't have a lot of manager interaction and they would just like go off like a bull in a china shop and we'd all be looking and it's like, oh no, you know. And, And it's like, just be open and and ask about what the chain of command is. And, you know, sometimes it's a little more rigid. Other times it's not. You're going to have to go with the flow. Absolutely. And at Lynn, at, at some point you ended up leaving that organization and, and, mm-hmm. and joining LJN. Um, so that kind of brings me to my topic, and that's exit interviews. Um, <laughs> basically, I wanted to know what everyone's opinions are on what you should and shouldn't say in an exit interview. Um, you know, I've heard both arguments that you want to be able to help the organization. These are really the reasons why I left. Um, but I also heard that you can really burn bridges. So what's everyone's opinion on that? First of all, for our listeners out there, Azure sent us a really funny (laughs) article. (laughs) I don't remember the title of it, but it was something like, don't lie on your resume, but lie like hell (laughs) on your your exit interview. Um, I think he was a little dramatic in how he came across in the the article. I think that you – I think that it's important that no matter how you – communicate with your colleagues that you're professional right? and that you always are graceful. At the end of the day, the organization gave you an opportunity. Whether you moved on because you switched careers or you found an organization that was a better fit for your needs, at the end of the day, you have to remember that you spent time there, you learned from them. And then I think that it's okay to be honest. It's just and it's, I say this all the time to my team. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Yes. And yeah. I think that that's important. If you have an attitude about it, if you're tacky about it, you, it yes, it's going to come across like, okay, this person's negative. They're not the right fit. Good riddance. And we don't need to really maybe necessarily take what they're saying as seriously. But if you're – I think that if you're honest and you're like, yeah, you know, this is a great organization, but this organization better fit my needs because of X, Y, Z – Give that organization the opportunity to have some food for thought. Don't necessarily, um, you know, go in there with this attitude. I could, I, I don't know. That's sort of what I go back to. So what what if uh, one of the reasons that – because one of the things he touches on in this article is if you just can't stand your boss. And if you go into an, your exit interview and you're just saying all these negative things about your boss, his point was that that – HR manager might go to your boss and say, this is what this person had to say about you. And then now down the road, when they call, when an, a company would call to get the reference, they're going to remember, that's their last impression of you is going to be. So any opinions on that? Yeah, I mean, I recently left a job and just always be gracious is all I can say. And we've talked about this before. Just you never know when you're going to need that person again. You never know when you'll see them again professionally. So it is not a good idea. I mean, yeah, and maybe you're telling an HR manager, but you never know. They'll, word will get out, it sounds like, one way or another. So be gracious. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, went, this won't surprise you of me, you guys. Um, when I left my last place, you know, I didn't, I don't think they really shared those comments, but I wasn't sure. But I, like, took the opportunity to, like, I 
was lucky I liked my boss. So <laughs> I just, it was an online thing, and I just was typing all this stuff about her, you know, thinking, you know, thank you for this and that. Um, I think it's important, though, to not burn bridges and to be positive because what can happen, and I've seen it here and I've seen it at the last place, people, for whatever reasons that they leave, sometimes the grass is not always greener. Right. And then people want to come back. And, you know, and that's wonderful. And it happens. But if you burn the bridge during an exit interview, I mean, that's permanent. Right. And that's not to say to lie. It's just to right. be positive and to say, for you know, you spe- you asked a very specific question. What if I don't get along with my manager? Then say that me and my manager just our personalities weren't the right fit. You don't need to go into all the nitty gritty details of the scenarios of this is what happened. And so now it's a and soapbox. There was one day, right? <laughs> exactly. Avoid all that. Just you know what. I prefer this style, and this is like for for Carly here. She preferred a style that was a little bit more structured. While she had great opportunities with her current posi- with her former position, and you know, I mean, you had a lot of different. You, your background mm-hmm. was very attractive to us, which is why we liked you, um, but it wasn't the right fit for her because she wanted something more structured. So I think that you know, you can um, walk away from a personality conflict or a work environment conflict and still be honest about it but not dwell on it and just be, you know, wasn't the right fit. I think, yeah, just have some class and be professional and, and just think about what you're saying. Um, you know, like Lynn said, don't burn, don't burn any bridges and um, don't necessarily have to lie, but just choose your words carefully. Carly, what did you want to talk about? Actually, or Lynn, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, actually, I'm going to close out our, um, our quad today with the topic of fundraising in the workplace. It was recently Girl Scout cookie time across America, I think. <laughs> and um, being a former scout, I embrace the selling opportunity. Um, but I know um, throughout the years, I've worked with coworkers who have strong opinions one way or the other about fundraising, um, mostly for their kids. And I was just wondering what what all of you thought about that topic and uh-huh. how um, different companies approach it. I, you know what? I'm I'm okay with it. I think that that's fine as long as you're not you know heavily pushing it down somebody's throat. You know, like buy these cookies. <laughs> but if you just put up a sign up sheet, which is what we do here, we put a sign up sheet. We send out a, a quick little email. Hey, this Girl Scout cookies. If you'd like to order some, there's you know this is for my daughter's scout. Um, is that Scout Club? Whatever they call. <laughs> <laughs> troop. They're troop. troop. Yeah. Thank you. I knew that wasn't using the right word uh, for her for her troop. But I think. You know, if you're going to be the person that brings in your kids' funding or school—I can't think of the words here. Hold on, sorry. Um, if you if you're the if you're the parent that's bringing in your kids' fundraisers and selling them and expecting everybody else to buy them, and then they in return bring their stuff in, and you never buy anything from them, I can see uh. where that might be a little tricky. So I guess just. You know, just like we said before, you know, just have some respect um, when you're dealing with anything when it comes to work and be, you know, just think of it professionally like, oh, you know, I they always buy from my kids. So I'm going to buy something from theirs. And I think as long as you kind of do that, because I I just don't feel pressured. I mean, if I don't buy it, I don't buy it. If I do, I do. But I don't ever really bring in a lot of stuff. So 
Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. The only thing that sort of bothers me is that if there's multiple people doing the, the same thing. So, for example, this year I um, was asked pers- personally by two people, and then since I purchased from them Girl Scout cookies, I felt bad for the person that didn't ask me, but that did what Azure did, which was put it in the kitchen, sign up oh, if you want. Right. So then I bought from that person too. Um, so then I ended up just donating the cookies because I was like, I really don't care for them anyway. Not that I don't like girl. I only like one, the Samoas, <laughs> the Caramel Delights. They're my favorite. Jacqueline, it's okay. <laughs> There's no reason for any one person to eat four boxes of cookies. I know. <laughs> so, um, so that was the only thing that's sort of annoying is that it's like, okay, I sort of have to pre-plan in my head, like, okay, this person I know is probably going to ask me because I buy from them every year. This person I know is going to ask me because I buy from them. And then there's this one who, well, I mean, I can't just leave her out. So at my last place, it got so competitive. It's like when that some of the tr- the troops would get the sign-up sheets at different times, and it was like who could get their cookies out first and, like, get all the orders. Yeah. And then the ones who who get their their list out later then they kind of their sales dwindle so that's the only thing that i'm like "Uh, i don't really like this my my solution to that when i hear you say that is you know what so and so i bought from you this last year i'm gonna buy from this person this year um and i think that that would be an acceptable answer to anybody yeah so rotate I know my dad, when I was uh, selling candy and stuff in school, he would never take it, the sign-up sheet to work. And he was not going to take candy bars. And I always felt bad. So I still, to this day, it's like, if someone is selling something that I can use, I'm going to help <laughs> that little kid meet their sales quota. <laughs> yeah, my dad always took my sheet to work, and I was always very grateful. So I do, I think of that, and I, I think of the right. kids. Right, Yeah. <laughs> It works at the only place. I mean, you can always take it to church. <laughs> There's other organizations, any <laughs> clubs. So. so, okay. Well, it sounds like all of us are in favor of supporting the young fundraisers out there. But, um, but parents in the workplace, try and keep it balanced. <laughs> try not okay. to get too competitive, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we all want to sell the most. <laughs> Well, our time together has already come to an end. That was quick as usual. If you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, send a message to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. For Azure Mahara, Jacqueline Peterson, and Carly Rubach, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.